as we continue our series here through the book of 2 Samuel. Now, when you go, well, if any of you ever have been, but if you go as a witness to the courtroom and they have you place your Bible, your hand on the Bible, and they'll say, do you swear? Well, how they, what's the rest of that? To tell? Amen. And to tell the whole, you've been there many times, sounds like. And uh, tell the whole truth, and that's what we, as a Christian, we ought to commit to God, that, Lord, I want to tell the whole truth, not just part of the truth, not just a, a part of the story, but I want to tell the whole thing so that people will not be misled and misguided. I talked to someone last week that had, their mind was racing 100 miles an hour. You ever talk to someone like that? So every, almost every word I used, it would send them off on another trail. And um, so it was hard to keep them focused on the, the truth of God's word. But a lot of people are in, in that way today. There's so much going on. And it's hard for people just to stop and to listen. But here's the, one of the main problems is there are many who are not telling the tr whole truth. Um, if you tell uh, a partial truth, it's really a lie. But if you don't tell the whole thing, it can be very damaging. Well, let's delve into the story here, starting at verse 19 in 2 Samuel, where we left off the last time we met together. And 2 Samuel 19, and, or, or 18, verse 19, excuse me. Then said Ahimeaz, the son of Zadok, let me now run and bear the king tidings, how that the Lord hath avenged him of his enemies. And Joab said unto him, Thou shalt not bear tidings this day, but thou shalt bear tidings another day. But this day thou shalt bear no tidings, because the king's son is dead. Then said Joab to Cushai, Go tell the king what thou hast seen. And Cushai bowed himself unto Joab and ran. And then said Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, yet again to Joab, But howsoever, let me, I pray thee, also run with after Cushai. And Joab said, Wherefore wilt thou run, my son, seeing that thou hast no tidings to re ready? But howsoever, said he, uh, let me run. And he said unto him, Run. Then Ahimaaz uh, ran by the way of the plain and overran Cushai, and David sat between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the uh, roof over the gate under the wall and lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man running alone. And the watchman cried and told the king, and the king said, If he be alone, and there is tidings in his mouth, and he came uh, apace and drew near. And the watchman said, or saw another man running. And the watchman called unto the porter and said, Behold, another man running alone. And the king said, He also bringeth tidings. And the watchman said, Me thinketh the running of the foremost is like the running of Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok. Apparently he had a reputation of being a swift runner. They could even recognize him from the distance. And the king said, He is a good man and cometh with good tidings. And Ahimaaz called and said unto the king, All is well. And he fell down to the earth upon his face before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which hath delivered up the men that lifted up their hand against my lord the king. And the king said, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Ahimeaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant 
and me, thy servant, I saw a great tumult, but I knew not what it was. And the king said unto him, Turn aside and stand here. And he turned aside and stood still. And behold, Cushai came, and Cushai said, Tidings, my lord, the king, for the Lord hath avenged thee this day of all them that arose up against thee. And the king said unto Cushai, Is the young man Absalom safe? And Cushai answered, The enemies of my lord, the king, and all that rise against thee, do thee hurt, be as that young man is. And the king was much moved, and went up to the chamber over the gate, and wept. And as he went thus, he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would God I had died for thee, O Absalom, my son, my son. Now, we've seen David suffer a lot of consequences because of his sin, his sin of adultery, of murder. But it's been a long time since his, these sins of adultery and murder were committed. But you know, it uh, is very clear, most likely many people in Israel were well aware what David had done. What he thought he could hide, it was not hidden, it was brought into the light. And then... <clears throat> Uh, not only that, was it brought to the light, but he's been paying the consequences of it ever since. But while he was growing up, Absalom, he probably heard a lot of this, this uh, gossip. He probably heard about uh, the, you know, people talking about his father. And we know that Absalom was angry. Why was Absalom angry? Does anybody remember? Why did he get really mad at his dad? Something happened to his sister, right? And uh, so his sister was raped by her half-brother, and so, uh, uh, and David did not deal, didn't really do anything uh, uh, about this. And so there must have been a uh, lot of, of course there was, a lot of anger in Absalom's part, and a lot of disrespect that kept building up here toward his father, and eventually led to rebellion and an attempt to get rid of his dad, kick his dad out of Jerusalem and off the throne. Absalom Succeeded. He did succeed in this, or at least he almost completely succeeded. He succeeded in a few things. He did manage to win the hearts of the people, a lot of the people. And he did succeed in chasing David out of Jerusalem and taking over the palace. He assembled a large army, you may recall, and set out to find David and to destroy David. He wanted to kill his father. And, but there were a lot of people that followed David and that were faithful and true to the real king. And so when David fled, they went with him. Now David's army was led by a very well-known, famous general, uh, Joab. He met Absalom's army in the woods of Ephraim. And you may recall, even the woods uh, he spoke of there killed many people. So it must have been a real uh, difficult uh, battlefield. But nonetheless, uh, they were victorious over Absalom, and Absalom was killed, got his hair caught in a tree, and Joab went against the king's orders and killed Absalom. And so David is sitting in some city gate here. He's waiting for news from the battlefield, and he's away from the battle. Remember, he wanted to go, if you recall. We read that a couple weeks ago. But the people said, no, we can't afford to have you go out there. We, we need you to stay away from the danger, and so he did. And that's that he's at these gates waiting for news. And in verses 19 and 20, 
Ahimeaz uh, volunteers. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll run with the message to tell King David. And he, he can only, you know, we don't really know why Joab said no to him. Uh, it's only speculation. Maybe Ahimeaz saw Joab kill Absalom. And maybe Joab didn't want him to go tell the story right away. And uh, so uh, he wanted to get someone else. I, I don't, we don't know that for sure. But uh, Joab, he uh, decides to send someone else instead of this man. And uh, in verse 21, and Joab realizes that David had, um, had to be informed of his son's death. He couldn't hide this. He had to be informed. So he sends Cushai to carry the bad news to David. Now in verse 22, Ahimeaz, he's not done. He said, I'm not, I, I don't want to quit. I want, he's persistent in his desire to go tell the news to King David. And so, so Joab said, well, why? Why will you run? And look, he said, since you have no news ready. And um, it's kind of like a lot of people, we want to run and go do something, but then we don't know what we're going to say or what we're going to do. But verse 23, he's finally, he's permitted to run. And this guy is a fast runner, no doubt. He would, be in, he would have probably been in the Olympics, but he uh, outruns Cushai. He gets there, uh, reaches the city first. The watchman sees him. The watchman tells King David, there's a runner. And um, now he sees another runner. But David assumes that both of these runners are going to bring good news uh, about the battle and about the victory. AMA has, of course, he got there first. And notice what he did in verses 28 and 29 when he sees David. He told him of the victory, but he played ignorant concerning Absalom's death. Now, we know that he was aware of that um, because right before he left, he was told in verse 20, the uh, king's son is dead. He knew that. So why did he play dumb? Why did he play ignorant and say, I, I, you know, I'm not sure. I saw a tumult and there was something going on, but when I took off, but I don't really know what was being said or what actually happened. Uh, maybe he was afraid. If I tell the king this news, maybe he's going to lash out at me, and he'll be angry at me. Again, we are just speculating there. But he, nonetheless, it was very obvious he was afraid to deliver the full message. He just wanted to give the good part of the message. You know, it's, you know I have good news and bad news, and he just come, I have nothing but good news. Forget the bad news. I, I wish that was always the case. We could do that, but we can't. I wish I could stand in the pulpit all the time and say, you know what, everybody's going to heaven, there's always good news, but it's not that way. And it's not God's fault, it's our fault, it's sin that was brought into this world that is contaminated and destroyed and, and caused all the heartache and pain in this world. But um, in verses 30 and down through verse 32, Cushai arrives and he gives the whole message. Yeah, he said, you've got a, a great victory, king. And then when he asked about Absalom, he says, oh, he's, he's dead. Just like the other ones that rose up against you. And so verse 33, David grieves. And what a broken heart here um, over the death of his son. He weeps. And now, I, I just want to kind of go through that scenario, that story, and uh, then deal with this, uh, make an application here tonight. Um, but... Just for a moment, let's put aside David's grief 
And think about this man, Aimeas. He had run so fast that he possibly, uh, as fast as he could possibly run, and he got there first. He was very eager. Uh, he wanted to do this. But when he arrives in the city, he didn't really deliver the full message. He only delivered what he wanted to deliver. He, only, he delivered only what he knew the king would want to hear. And so he delivers this message of victory, but he did not deliver the message of judgment. He told David his armies had won the battle, but he did not tell David that uh, his son uh, was the price that was paid for the victory on the battlefield. So his precious son Absalom was killed. Aimeaz uh, refused to deliver the whole truth. Now, here's the application for us today. The days, uh, the, the days that we live in are, seem to be a day of half-truths. We can go into many religions and hear them speak. And you know what? I would agree with that. In fact, if you listen to Mormons, they will speak on the family and, and many things, and that's the way they get into a lot of homes. We all would agree with those uh, things that they're saying about the family and America, to a degree anyway. And so we would agree with that, but um, they don't give the whole message. And, uh, and a lot of churches aren't giving the whole message. The message of Aimeaz lives on in a lot of churches today. Many churches fail to deliver the full message. Oh, they'll preach about heaven, and we can say, yes, I agree with that. That is exactly right. But they never preach about hell. They'll talk about the love of God and praise God. God is love. But they never talk about the wrath of God, the judgment of God. And that also is true. And so they only give half a message. And the, the, you know, the, the, the whole truth is what the world needs to hear. You and I, as we uh, confront people with the, the gospel, we can be told by that individual, yes, I'm saved. And then we can decide, well, you know what? Then they're okay. I don't need to give them the full message. No, you and I ought to assume that that individual is lost. Even though they told me, they're saved because so many are deceived. We're not trying to trick anyone. We're trying to lift the veil over their eyes so they can see the truth before them. And that's why we use the Word of God. But uh, the Bible is clear on many things, and, and uh, it says there's something wrong when we have half of a message, when we only tell part of what God wants us to tell. And, you, you know, when a person gets saved, there should be a change that takes place. There definitely should be a change. That person becomes a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so uh, the Bible says there's definitely something wrong when there is no fruit, when there is no change. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 22, but now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness. As a Christian, there will be some fruit. Uh, you, you and I are to be producing fruit. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, love, joy, peace, 
long-suffering, patience, and meekness, gentleness, kindness. All these things are fruit of the Spirit that should be being produced in our life as a Christian. And not only that, we should be uh, producing fruit in the, in the area of salvation, of souls, uh, leading people to Christ. Romans 7, verse 4, Wherefore, my brethren, we should bring forth fruit unto God. I'm just saying that scenario says, well, you know what? Oh, you're, you can be saved and live any way you want to live and, and uh, you just, just uh, mouth these words, say this prayer, and you're okay. And we, we need to be careful of that. Yes, is, is it easy to get saved? What would you say? Yes, yes. it is. It is easy to get saved. But we don't want to, it's, uh, to go through what we would call easy prayerism. Say this little prayer, and by mouthing these words, you are instantly saved. Well, there's no truth to that at all. But sadly, that happens in a lot of even good churches. We have to be very careful um, that we explain salvation. Galatians 5, I mentioned about the fruits. Uh, uh, then in, in Matthew 3, uh, bring forth, therefore, fruits, meat for repentance. This is talking about believers. There needs to be, there will be fruit being produced in that Christian's life. Every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Jesus said then in Matthew 7, 17, even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. You know, there is something wrong with this thinking that, well, you know, I'm saved, but there's, been, there's never been a change in my life. That uh, uh, if a person says, well, I got saved, but they've never changed. They're the same today as they were before they were saved. Something's wrong with that picture. Now, again, as is in my own case, when I got saved, I didn't stop drinking alcohol because I never did drink alcohol. Of course, I wasn't that old. I was only 13, but although we've seen that happen in, in, uh, even in this area. And then I didn't stop smoking because I never started smoking. I never, you know, a lot of things I didn't stop doing because I never, were do I never was doing them. But nonetheless, there was a change. There was a change in my attitude. There was a change in my want-tos, my desires. <clears throat> there was a change in my life completely from what I was before. doesn't matter where that person is. If they were born again, there will be a change. And, and I believe the main reason that we don't see in a lot of areas where people are confused, where people are... are uh, um, maybe trusting in other things to get them to heaven, it's because of religion. Religion has misguided, has, has uh, failed uh, 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 mankind. And, and one of the reasons is because it does not preach the full message. Many churches do not preach the full message. And you have people very confused um, because they've not been told the full message of God's word. And just like eternal security, I'm sorry, I, I may be friends with that individual, even a preacher. I do have friends that do not see uh, that truth. I'm friends with them, 
I'm not going to have them come and speak, and I cannot for the life of me understand why in the world you wouldn't want to take the whole message. Uh, you know, we, yes, we don't deserve eternal security. We don't deserve eternal life. But God said he gives it to us regardless if we trust his son, Jesus Christ. So salvation is for whosoever. And this is a um, preaching that full gospel message. That sal uh, some would say salvation is only for the elect. And in fact, you know, if you're going to be saved, that's God's choice, and so you really don't have a say in it. There's no reason to go out soul winning, no reason to support missionaries, because if you're going to get saved, it's already in the cards, you're, you're going to get saved. And if you're not, you know what that's saying? That's saying if you're uh, going to go to hell, that means God sent you to hell. Uh, because he chose some to go to heaven and some to go to hell. That, of course, that's Calvinism. That is not biblical. Part of the message is right, but they didn't give the whole message. And, and many are sadly leaning towards that. John 3, 16 is still in the book. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. And so salvation is for whosoever. It's available to everyone, uh, not just a certain few. And most, Christ, most Christian circles, uh, they will preach and teach that good news, that, that salvation is available, the good news that Jesus saves, that is, and that Jesus died for our sins, but they don't go far enough. Have you ever been to a funeral and the preacher preached a message and it just kind of skirted around the gospel, and you're thinking, boy, he was almost there. If he just went a little further. And I, I, I felt that way about myself sometimes. I thought, boy, I should have really clarified that. But I'm saying some preachers, because of their doctrine that they believe, uh, they try to, to uh, skirt around the real pointed issues. And uh, it, it makes everyone inclusive as far as uh, yes, it's, it, all, everyone's included for salvation, but not everyone is going to be saved unless they trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. So people still need to be saved. And I think, uh, Brother West, you mentioned that in your prayer. Thank God he's still in the saving business. Praise the Lord. And he wants to use us in that area. But people still need to be saved. We live in a generation of many, many unchurched people. We live in a generation of people who, who have never really had a clear understanding of the gospel message, who have never been raised in church. There's a generation of people now who are, are um, uh, agnostics. They're, they're, if not, atheist in their thinking. And uh, they are, uh, it's, it's too bad, but that's where... We are in a lot in this world, so what do we do? We need to understand that people need the Lord. They need to be saved. They don't need religion as much as they need the Lord. They don't need to get baptized. They need to get saved. And all those other things are, that will follow. But, we, you know, it, it is the most needy in our, uh, I believe, in human history right now. There's so many people around us with a great need. And, uh, and the more people, you know, our, our population is growing. And with each new birth, there's another person that needs to be saved. So 
People still need Jesus Christ. They still need to be saved. And whenever we call upon the Lord, whenever an individual that's lost calls upon the Lord, just as the Bible says, he or she will be saved. It is that simple. And again, I was talking to someone last week, and they, they said that. They said, is it that simple? Yes, it's that simple. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to you know, get baptized and crawl across your knees on glass, and you don't have to do any of that. Just trust Jesus Christ. It is that simple. So when we are saved, when we are born again, we're born into a new life in Jesus Christ. And uh, we must never forget that the good news of salvation is only part of the message. There's even more beyond that. You know, that's a sad thing. Some people get saved and that's all they want. They got their fire insurance, right? I'm not going to hell, so I'm okay. But... There's a whole lot more that God wants us to have, a whole lot more of the message. Um, you know, that discipleship needs to take place. I would challenge all of us to try to get someone this year that we can work with on a weekly basis. Maybe get together for coffee, get together somewhere, and just have a little Bible study and walk them through that, that course. Um, and uh, they may not be saved, and that's one of the, the main goals, to try to lead them to Christ. But they may be saved, and once they get saved, you want to disciple them and show them what the rest of the story, the rest of the message. So there's a large number of people who claim to know Jesus Christ. They profess, but they don't possess anything. Now, I don't know who, you know, all I can go by is what a person tells me, right? We don't know their heart. So if a person comes to me and says, Pastor, I have been saved. Great, and tell me about it. And they give me a, a clear testimony how they realized they were a sinner, bound for hell, trusted Christ, and, and so forth. Uh, that's, that's great. But a lot of people, I'm convinced they may know the words. They, they, uh, make, they're good at making a profession, but they've never possessed the Lord Jesus Christ. And so why do we have so few who live victorious Christian lives? I'm talking about those who profess to be saved. Why are so few uh, of those who profess to be saved, they don't have any boldness at all to be a witness for Jesus Christ? Now, I'm, I'm no way indicating that if you're not a witness for Christ, therefore you're lost. I'm just saying that is part of our growing spiritually in the Lord. So why? It's because like Amaz, many preachers, many teachers only give a part of the message. They don't tell the whole story. Salvation is available to every individual, but there is more than salvation. Salvation, trust in Christ, that's all you need to do to get to heaven. But God wants us to live for him right here, right now. And so then... And let me, just the last point here in this, about this uh, story is the necessity of repentance. Um, there is no salvation without repentance. There is no, if there's no conviction, there's no salvation. Conviction brings us to the point of repentance. Uh, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. We acknowledge that we've wronged God, that we've broken his laws and then we realize that we need to turn away from that sin. 
And so there is no salvation without repentance. Uh, here's what Jesus said in Mark 1, 15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Repentance. Another uh, occasion, Jesus said this in Luke 13, 3. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And on the day of Pentecost, you know, what was, Peter was asked there, Peter, you know, what shall we do? All these people were convicted. They were lost. And, and they asked Peter, what, what uh, shall we do? And what did Peter say in Acts 2.38? Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized. Of course, you can't get saved until you repent. And you don't need to get baptized until you're saved. It's, it's in that order. Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Um, so repent. The message has not changed. God wants us to tell individuals today that they need to repent of their sin. You know, again, we, too many times we skirt around the issue, and we don't want to get uh, uh, nailed down sin, and, and we're told in our society, well, who are you to say what is right and what is wrong? And, and what may be right for you is okay for me. And there's all kinds of philosophies that people have, but the Bible is very clear. You know, um, I, our young people today are facing so much. I was talking to some young people, and they, even about this homosexuality, they're so confused. And... They think God is for that. Well, is it any wonder what they've been taught? Is it any wonder in some cases even the spiritual leaders are hesitant to even say anything about it? But God's word has much to say about that issue and many others. We don't have to beat around the bush. We can be lovingly, we can speak the truth. And that's what they need. A young lady that's contemplating abortion doesn't need someone to lie to her and say, oh, it's nothing. It's not a life. No, she needs someone to tell her the truth, that that is a baby that she has in her womb. It's a life, and it will be killing that baby to abort it. So we can go on and on to how that message is not told, um, just partial, uh, part of the message is. And it's one thing, you know, it's one thing to admit we are sinners. It's a whole different thing to be willing to give up our sin. It's not enough to say, okay, Lord, I understand I'm a sinner. We've got to go another step. Yes, Lord, I understand I'm a sinner, and I forsake that sin. I turn away from it, and I turn to you. It's, it's not enough just to speak the words and acknowledge the truth. It's one thing to admit we're gonna, going the wrong direction. You know, can you imagine... You're, we're driving down the highway and we realize we're going the wrong way. And I look over and I tell Mildred, you know what? We're going the wrong way. We've already traveled 50 miles the wrong, opposite direction. Isn't that great? I mean, I acknowledge the truth. I'm going the wrong way. Aren't you proud of me? I don't think she'd be very proud at all. I'm going the wrong way. I need to stop the car, get around, turn around and go the right way. And that's what, um, why it's not enough just to acknowledge that we're going the wrong direction, we must make an about face. And 
A little boy was asked by his mother one morning, said, aren't you ashamed of staying in bed past noon? And the boy answered, yes, I'm ashamed, but I would rather be ashamed than to get up. And so many are ashamed of what they are. They're ashamed of what they have done, but they'd rather be ashamed than to give up the things that they don't want to give up. And so it, it takes more than shame to be saved. It uh, takes repentance. Um, I think we are missing a lot of shame, aren't we, in our society? There isn't any shame anymore. But, that's a, but God uses that as part of the, bring, the conviction that comes into our heart. But repentance is essential. It's not enough just to be convicted. It's not enough just to be ashamed. We must repent. Uh, so if we say we, we want to be saved, but we're not willing to turn away from our sin, I've had some individuals that have spoke almost those words. They said, you know, I know I need to be saved, but I don't want to quit doing this or that. And if I got, get saved, I'll have to stop doing these things. Well, obviously, they're not ready for salvation because there needs to be a turning around. Now, will a, a Christian still struggle with sin? Yes, obviously so. But there needs to be a desire, a willingness to repent of that sin, a turning around and making a, a change of mind and so forth. So there is no salvation without repentance. Um, all right. So one day, uh, the scribes and Pharisees, remember they brought uh, this woman to Jesus? And they said, Jesus, and of course they brought her to Jesus to try to test him, to try to... Uh, make him stumble and, and catch him in, in uh, uh, a falsehood. And they said, Jesus, this woman has committed adultery. And so, and she needs to be stoned. And so Jesus pointed out to these religious individuals that they were sinners too. Remember him bending down and beginning to write in the sand. I believe he was writing the sins of every one of those men. And you could just hear the stones dropping as they realize, yeah, he knows me. He knows my heart. I can't cast the first stone because I have sinned. There was only one there without sin that could have cast the first stone, and that was Jesus. And what did he do? He forgave. He forgave her. But they, uh, they all walked away. There was no repentance there on their part. They understood they were sinners. That's why they walked away. They understood, well, I can't throw that stone because I have sinned. Probably, in some of the cases, they were guilty of the very sin they were accusing her of. And, uh, and they were accusing her right. She was. But I always thought, too, where was the man? How come he wasn't brought before uh, Jesus? But nonetheless, let me read to you what Jesus said to this adulterous woman in John chapter 8, verse 10. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman he said unto her woman where are those thine accusers hath no man condemned thee and she said no man lord and jesus said unto her neither do i condemn thee go and sin no more go and sin no more that's repentance and it's a personal decision too salvation is a personal decision there in verse 33 we see King David, he, um, boy, it's a, it's a sad story. His heart is broken, he's weeping, and uh, 
as a parent, we can relate to that. You know, maybe you had a child that was really sick, and, and, and I know I've even said these very words. Boy, I wish I could take that sickness from them so that they wouldn't be sick. I would take it for them. And I'd have been glad to do that in many cases. But uh, we can't do that. And here David says, Lord, it would have been better if I had died. I would die instead of Absalom. And, uh, but he can't do that. Uh, it was not possible at all. David could not save his son Absalom any more than you and I could save our own children, spiritually speaking. We can lead them to the truth, we can show, but that is a personal decision every individual uh, must make. There are no grandchildren in the kingdom of God. They must be born again individually. Uh, so God has accomplished what we cannot do. Uh, God gave up his sinless son to die for the sins of all mankind. So the tragedy of the church today is that many are only proclaiming a partial message. Ahimeaz had run with all of his might. He had come in first because of his eagerness, but he failed. He didn't deliver the full message. And he delivered the message of victory, but not of judgment. And we, we need to deliver the message of heaven, but also of hell. Deliver the message, the full package, in other words. All right, so uh, that's, that's the... Uh, a lesson here tonight from 2 Samuel where Ahimeaz uh, failed to deliver the whole message. And I thought it just struck me how many today are doing that. Let us not be guilty of it. Let's be bold in our witness and tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth.